Kongs, Archons. Welcome to Sanctimonious, a Keyforge podcast where two zealous Keyforge players discuss various topics regarding combat within the Crucible. Stand at attention and salute your hosts, Sir Jake and Sir Dan. Welcome back to another episode of Sanctimonious. This is Jake and joined as always by the one and only amazing co-host, Dan. (laughs) Wow, how do I live up to that billing? The one and only worst IRL player in the history of Keyforge. Just don't come at me online. I will wreck you online. But if you face me face-to-face cross table, I will lose. <laughs> well, all right. You know, we, we all have our strengths and weaknesses. Uh, I might be the inverse of, as, of yeah, you, as we'll yep. find out uh, later on in this episode. But before we get started, really excited about this episode, but we have a couple of quick announcements to get out of the way. So why don't you go first with yours, Dan? Sure. So we uh, we found this lovely company. Thank you to Alex, the Nick of Slots on our Discord. He had some sweet sanctimonious playmats made up by this kind of Amazon company. And I contacted said company because we got the first like five or six of them and they look really nice. They're super good quality. They're not like quite as thick as like the actual Keyforge official playmats, but they're pretty darn close. And they look really nice and clean. And we actually, I worked it out with them. So they actually have an Amazon listing for the Sanctimonious playmat. So you, if you are in the States, can order a Sanctimonious playmat for $15. We are getting zero cut on this. We're not, we didn't tack on any price, but $15 free shipping to the States. They said they would do international, but um, I have had it confirmed from one international that Amazon won't allow it. So further details to come on that one. But uh, yeah, $15 for a Sanctimonious playmat. If you want to get one so you can rep Sanctimonious at your local chain bounds or kitchen tables, please do so. Yeah, I really like mine. I'm not a huge playmat guy in general, but I think what's nice about these is it's just our logo. And so it's mostly blue. Uh, so there's not just like a, too much going on that can be distracting from the game. So I've really enjoyed getting to use mine. Yeah, and you can find that link in our Twitter, both of our Twitter, my Twitter account and the Sanctimonious Twitter account. I've tweeted out about it with the link. And then if you join our Discord, it's in our um, tour of the Inner Sanctum. Yeah, I'll put it in the show notes as well. So the second announcement is after a little bit of prodding, we have finally went ahead and created a Patreon account for the Sanctimonious podcast. So you can find that just at uh, patreon.com slash sanctimonious. Again, I'll put that in the show notes. What this is, is just a way that you could show a little bit of support for this podcast. It's something that Dan and myself have put a bunch of time in both the recording and editing process every week, but also Dan does a wonderful job creating extensive show notes each time. We spend time in our Discord researching, coming up with good topics to record on. Uh, And it's something we love to do. We enjoy doing. It's not a job. Uh, It's a just-for-fun hobby. However, uh, if you are so inclined and find yourself in a financially stable place where you've got uh, and want to support something that brings value into your life, uh, we now have that option available. Yep. And I just want to announce to you, we have nothing paywalled. Like you're not going to get any special perks. There's no perks. We're not paywalling anything. There's no secret server on the Discord server for those that are contributing because like our community on our Discord is just so amazing. And I just, what what goes on there is just incredible. I've learned so much from so many good players. We have so many great discussions about the game. 
and just like deck evaluations, all that kind of stuff just happens for anybody. Anybody can throw a deck up and everybody will just kind of pitch in and give their two cents on it. So yeah, nothing, there's no perks. We're not, we're not pushing for anything. We're not going to be selling anything to those Patreons, but we just really appreciate it. Cause yeah, like Jake said, not only do we put a lot of time, we have put some money out of our own pockets to get some of this stuff off the ground. Jake's been paying the podcast hosting fees and we've produced some of the uh, archive cards and the shirts and the play mats. So yeah, it's just, it'd be nice if you can help out. And um, yeah, burn, burn, burn. we've already hit $32 a month. So thank you so much for those that have donated already. Those have, that's just been amazing. So we've got our monthly fees covered and Jake can recoup his uh, first, I don't, how long have we been doing this, Jake? I think we're on month number four. Holy smokes. Where has the time gone? Right. So yeah, Jake can start recouping some of that, which is great. And yeah, we just really appreciate it. So with that, Jake, do you want to give some shout outs to those that have donated? Yes, I do. Our night level patrons who have given $1 or more are Brian, aka Verbally Insane, and Jim, aka Mediator J. Thank you very much to you both. Come back to Seattle, Jim. They miss you up here. Our champion level patrons who are giving $4 a month and up. Uh, so that's, you know, $1 per episode is Alex, aka the Nick of Slots, Joe. Don't call me Nick. AKA Zotted. Detox. Michael, a.k.a. Kodiak Duck. Quack. Michael number two, a.k.a. Exoque. Exoque. And Sky Jedi. The Force is strong. And then we have one ambassador level patron right now, which is Paul, a.k.a. Roadrunner, who's giving us $10 a month. Uh, So really, thank you all so much. It's just really rewarding to know that we bring some value in your life and you're showing us love in this way and thank you to everyone else who shows us love in other ways whether that's you know act being active in the discord welcoming people in sharing this podcast uh to other people so we won't keep reiterating the patreon thing every week but it is out there we may plug it at the end of our podcast and thank any new sponsors for sure yeah thanks so much super appreciated yeah there's not really anything more i can say we really appreciate you guys and this has been really fun because of you guys and gals out there that are interacting with us via discord twitter wherever it may be so thank you thank you thank you all right well let's go straight into our inspiration of the week are in our discord then you've kind of been privy to the ups and downs of this process but we finally got some sanctimonious shirt printed there was a little bit of turbulence with how they ended up but i did get to wear mine out to a reversal event i attended last night and i was able to share the shirts with a couple of local players who without prompting decided to change into those shirts so we had three people uh, rocking the sanctimonious blue and yellow and it just made the event it was it was really exciting and fun to see people excited about this and excited to to wear it and then i've got a small taste it was just an 18 person local event of that kind of camaraderie that comes with you know having people sort of in your corner to talk to your talk to games about if i finished one of my games early you know i was going to support uh jeff and duncan and their game and it was just awesome. It was cool. People are sort of like, oh, what's going on with this? So anyway, that that's really my inspiration. It's just kind of like a fulfillment of sort of that idea 
that went into those shirts. So hopefully if you are attending Gen Con, you might see Duncan and Jeff were both going wearing their shirts. So I just, you know, if you see anyone there at all, I think we're going to have, you know, four or five people, sadly, not Dan or myself there with their <laughs> so sad. sanctimonious shirts. So if you're going to Gen Con, see any of those people, I just encourage you to go up, say hi. Um, they're great people. I can literally vouch for every single person that uh, ordered or has one of these shirts. So yeah, so it's just cool to see that sort of come through and then because like i mentioned there were some sort of ups and downs with the process just ever just everyone was so compassionate and and just like has always been shown nothing but kindness and compassion and excitement about what we're doing here so uh, that also inspired me just how incredible this community is cool 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 all right my inspiration for the week is I got a, I've got a few, but I'll try to go fast because we've already eaten up a lot of time at the beginning here. So I was playing one Rachel Trimble on TCO. Had a really good game, really close game. She edged me out just barely, two keys to three. Super good game. We're kind of chatting after the game. And she mentioned um, she's, you know, looking to find her next Vault Tour deck before Krakow. And this the one she ran against me was one of the candidates. And what she's really looking for in a Vault Tour deck that kind of struck me is Amber Control in all three houses. And it kind of struck me. And so I was kind of thinking about that for that day. And then I'm talking to Beehawk through some instant messages. And he mentions the same thing on the same day. And then one more person, and I apologize, you're going to know who you are, but somebody else in our Discord, just in the general chat, also mentioned it on the same day, having Amber controlled in all three houses. So, I mean, it really, like, pounded me on the side of the head and kind of caused me to go back and look at a lot of my decks that I kind of consider Vault Tour worthy and see if they do meet that requirement of having Amber controlled in all three houses. And the reason for that is you can get to a point in a game where sometimes you're forced to play, say you've got four cards of one house and two cards of another house, you're forced to play those two cards because they have the amber control and you're not ever able to play those four cards because there's no amber control in that house and you're essentially just chaining yourself for four cards a turn to try to keep your opponent off a key and if that i mean it's still going to happen even if you do have amber control in all all three houses but it's just a little less likely if you actually have that ability so that was kind of inspiring to me to kind of like reevaluate some of my decks and just see if they did meet the requirement of amber control at least in some sort or form a really quick point on that one. I think another big part of it is if you're playing an opponent and you know they only have Amber Control in Shadows, there are many ways you can craft a game state in which calling Shadows isn't optimal for them. If they're getting close to forging a keys, you could prioritize picking off the Shadow creatures. Or, more directly, you could use Control the Weak or any of that similar house-controlling abilities to stop them from doing that. So I think not only does it give you more control, it makes it more difficult as an opponent to play against just because those lines become a little less obvious if that amber could, control could be coming from any of the houses. Um, and then our Adaptive League, we'll talk a little bit more about it, but man, it has been great. I've got my I've got two games in now. I've been having a lot of fun just watching other people play games while I'm working. They'll be playing on TCO, and I'll just have it up on one of my side screens and just watching the games play out. Really, really high-level play everywhere. It's been a blast. Some people have already finished, and we'll get to that. We'll kind of do another league update at the end. But it's been so much fun. I've had about as much fun watching league games as I've had playing them. So keep up the good work, folks. Awesome. Why don't we jump into our main topic? I'm so angry. The 
this topic is all about tilt, tilting, managing tilt, how to prevent it, and what to do uh, when you're having that experience where things are not going right, you're pissed off, and uh, nothing you're doing seems to be making things go more right. Yep. So yeah, tilt, what is it? It's becoming agitated, frustrated, angry, angry with yourself, your angry. opponent, angry. Uh, your opponent a ruling and then allowing this mood this anger frustrated angry mood to affect your play going forward right so i think it's important to note that where this actually comes from is a concept that origin originated in poker circles where uh, players could identify someone who was on a bad streak just because of bad luck which comes in all card games but then it doesn't just stop there because the luck boils over allows you to become frustrated, uh, and then you actually become an easy target to other players at the table who can identify that, uh, knowing that you are now prone to think less logically and make more mistakes. Yeah, and this is something that happens to everybody. Um, We've all gone into tilt at some point or another, and it's just something you have to realize when you have gone on tilt, when you're starting to get a little agitated, and now you're starting to rush your plays or just make decisions you know are bad and just making them anyways because you're just like, whatever. Like once you get into that mindset, that's when you really need to like kind of check yourself before you wreck yourself. Yeah, I think it's that feeling of like wanting to get it. Something doesn't go right for you. So you want to make it all up at once, like taking big risks uh, that are likely to blow up in your face, setting you even further behind. So Dan, how do you experience tilt? Like when you know it's happening, like how can you identify that? in yourself yeah so i mean when i experience tilt it's usually agitation at myself i'll make like a dumb play that i know is a dumb play and i made it anyways and then i get agitated with myself and then that just kind of keeps me going down that road of just kind of making these suboptimal plays to try to kind of like correct the first suboptimal play that i made or sometimes i'll play a card that i knew i shouldn't have and then i'll play the rest of the turn as if it's like it's really weird it's hard it's hard to describe but you like make a play realize it was so wrong and then just try to play around it to make it look like it wasn't like a huge misplay so maybe i played a card out of order or something and so then i hold that card that i played out of order so it wouldn't look like i really messed up which is really dumb to do because you should just throw it out there and be over with it but that happened a lot when i was kind of first getting into key forge and kind of in the middle middle ranks where i would just play a little too quickly and throw cards out there and then realize oh i should have played this one first and now that i didn't play this one first it actually doesn't do anything but i'm just going to keep it in my hand so i don't look like a terrible player thus making me an even worse player um but yeah so that's that's kind of mine mine is more like an inward focused i don't usually get rattled too much by opponents like i can't really think of a time where an opponent has tilted me which is nice and i haven't really ever had any rulings go super against me in a competitive event because usually i'm pretty on top of the rules and able to kind of figure it out with the opponent before it gets to kind of that point where somebody might uh might be upset by a ruling or judgment call for me and i guess i'm thinking about this more from like the physiological effect of it where like I'll notice if I'm starting to get tilt, I'll, I'll have like like I'll literally like physically like be able to identify like a tension feeling sort of in my like forehead and like around my eyes almost, and, and like I'll on it like start feeling hot almost like you yeah, can almost I was, pick- say, I, was gonna, I was just gonna say sweaty yeah, yeah you could I'll picture that like uh old timey cartoons where like the person's face is just like the, the level of red is just <laughs> rising the anime cartoon the beads of sweat coming down the face right it's like that's literally how how i'm able to identify it within myself 
the second question is I'm, I'm just curious are you do you notice yourself experiencing tilt more often online or in person so for Keyforge, for me specifically, it's definitely been in person. Like I've got this monkey on my back that no matter, I, I don't get to play a lot of chain bounds. I think I played six total chain bounds in my illustrious Keyforge career due to dad life and just, you know, keeping things family centric. Um, and I, man, I just have this monkey on my back that I have yet to hang a chain on a deck. And so I think I kind of almost like, I don't want to say I go into the event tilted, but maybe I just go in nervous. And then once I start making make, making mistakes, the tilt comes on way faster in person. Whereas online, like I am like as relaxed as can be playing online because that's how I play 95% of my games because that's what my schedule allows for. I can play after I put the daughter to bed from like 9.30 to 11 o'clock every night. So that's like prime time gaming for Dan. And so online, like no tilt, usually like I've... I mean, there's been a few times where you just have a string of games that really just go against you and it just kind of bubbles up, but not really, not not very often. So yeah, in real life is is my tilt phase because my my monkey of no chains on my decks is uh getting heavier and heavier. So I think I'm the exact opposite. Like I in person, I, I think I really feed just as like a person. I really feed off the energy of other people. Like I'm really extroverted in that way. So it's almost. You know, honestly, one person having fun is sort of enough for me. Even if I'm not the one who wins, like I can really get into that sort of like, you know, they're feeling great and that makes me feel great. But online, it's just when it's just me sitting here for whatever reason, like I really have trouble sort of like controlling that frustration when I make a mistake or things spill over. I've talked about it before by play a lot of like super smash bros if i'm playing that in person and losing somebody good it's it's great i'm like learning stuff but if i'm playing that online and somebody kills me and does like the stupid thing where they duck the character a lot as like a taunt man i just i freaking lose it and will just play so dumb for the rest of the whole game just like running at them trying to get it back and I, i've noticed the same thing a little bit when i'm playing keyforge online too where that just doesn't come out in person. I can't really explain it. We've hit that area. We're starting to notice that we're tilting. How do we manage our tilt? So the first way we're going to look at it is the competitive perspective. And pretty much the faster you can just kind of refocus, sit back, take a deep breath. If like the round's over and you lost and you're just kind of, maybe you lost due to the tilt, I mean, just get some water, walk around a little bit, clear your head, just kind of get yourself back in a good good mindset for the next game. The next game is a brand new game. You got another chance to play a good around a key forge, so life is still pretty good. So when we're talking about managing tilt from the competitive perspective, this is thinking about how you can alleviate that as quickly as possible. It's just the fact when you're experiencing tilt, like you're thinking, it's a physiological reaction, you're thinking less logically and likely to make more mistakes. So it's really all about just like getting yourself back to that baseline where you can start playing your best game again so you don't you don't want to let that one loss snowball either like if that tilt costs you a game don't let that snowball like even at the vault tour level um you can go x and one to make day two or if you're lucky enough to play in a survival event you can go x2 so i mean there is some margin for error there and so don't let that first loss just completely train wreck your entire day yeah and i think the big part of that is just acknowledging that variance and random chance, like like in poker, like in Magic, like in any other card game, uh, is part of this game too. You know, sometimes your cards just simply won't come out in the right order and your opponents will. If you're drawing 
two 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 hands where you've got two of each of your houses and your opponent just happens to keep drawing into hands that are five and six cards of one house you know you could be the best player in the world with the best deck against somebody who's brand new with a middling deck and lose you know and and that is not a commentary of you as a player it's just a part of the game that that we play and love yeah, let me give you an example of that. So I'm watching one of our league games the other day, and it's Boulevard Paper Fight, a.k.a. Blake from Help From Future Self versus Honorable Villain. Blake's deck wins both games 3-0, 3-0. So they're bidding on Blake's deck. Blake gets it for six, and all of a sudden, Honorable Villain's deck like draws in the perfect order. It didn't matter if Blake had zero chains. like There was just no way. Like Honorable Villain's deck like was nowhere to be found the first two games, but the third game, like everything came out in the right order. He played it really Really well like he set him up with a really good double routine job nexus into blake's lash of broken dreams turn to keep him off a key one turn like it was just it was like one of those things where you watched it after the first two games you're like well blake's deck probably should still have this at six chains but yeah like card game variants like honorable villains deck just performed that last game and there was nothing blake could do blake played his turns perfectly like he didn't make any mistakes but he just really didn't have a chance in the third game and that just happens well it's frustrating when that happens in the moment like i've certainly been there i think it's also important to remember that like that's also part of the things that make this game great and so fun i mean if we didn't have that element of randomness you know we might as well all be playing chess or something different Right. right, but there there is a reason that we choose to play Keyforge, a card game, and to me, you can't separate that random chance from the appeal of the game itself. And then the other thing, this game, for the most part, in most competitive arenas, they're single game matches. It's like single game matches. It's really hard. Like you can just lose a game because of the variance. I mean, games, card games that allow you to go best two out of three, you've got a little more chance of allowing your skill to make up for some of the variance. But in a single game match, like we said, you can just, you can draw bad. Your opponent can draw amazing. You can get your cards in the wrong order. There's just stuff like that happens. And in a single game match, losses can just happen like that. You just have to be accepting of that as part of the game of cards and variants. That is part one of managing tilt, which is how you can get back to that baseline. Part two, which is, you know, even more important in my opinion, is the personal perspective, which is... When you're experiencing tilt, are you doing what you need to do still to make sure you're fulfilling that social contract when you sit down to a game of any any game, but Keyforge too, uh, the social contract to be a good opponent and make sure that this is a fun, safe, and enjoyable experience for everybody. No, you don't want your tilt to like ruin your opponent's experience, as Jake kind of said. You don't want that like anger, like snappiness because of... Um, you know, maybe bad mistakes you've, you've made. I at least can say that when I'm on tilt, it's only affecting me. I'm still smiling and having a good time, but just internally, I know I'm tilting, but I'm still being pleasant, still talking, still, you know, pointing out good plays my opponent's making and that kind of things. But uh, yeah, and that's just part of my, like, I want my opponent to enjoy the game. Like I'm still attempting to enjoy the game, even if I'm on that little tilt streak, still trying to tell myself, hey, you made it to an Archon event. You're actually playing some cards outside the house not in your office chair like this is great and just kind of reminding yourself of those things to just you know have fun like it's a fun game with that this is going to be like a little interlude of how to be a good opponent always uh and that's especially important to remember when you notice you're experiencing tilt first is 
when you sit down, introduce yourself. Uh, and it's just so important to get on that good note right off the bat that, hey, I'm not going to be somebody that's going to make this a miserable experience for you. And I hope you do the same for me. No, definitely. Um, next, after introductions are out of the way and you start playing, be ready to communicate. And not even just communicate, but over-communicate. I am on the train of I will announce everything. So declare your house. Clear all of your actions and cards as you're playing them. Announce each creature. As you gain amber, announce that you're gaining amber. Announce your amber totals as well after gaining, losing, or forging. I tend to like to do that at the end of my turn. I'll just say, hey, I'm passing it back over with five amber. And then I like to say how many cards I'm going to draw. And I'll say, so if I've got three cards in hand, I'll be like, I'll pass it over to you. I'm at five amber. I'm drawing three cards back to six. Year go. That kind of thing. Just all that information really helps your opponent. It helps both of you too. So say there's like a streak or a succubus out and you say that I'm going to draw three up to six, your opponent can just interject right there and go, uh, no, actually you're going to draw two to five. And then you just, you don't have that awkward moment of overdrawing that card that you shouldn't have. And your opponent's just aware of it. They don't have to count your cards as you're drawing to make sure you're drawing to five. Or you just act, you know, if you accidentally miss it, other cards that can cause confusion nowadays are like binding irons. So if you get binding irons by your opponent, sometimes it's easy to forget that you have those chains because it wasn't something that you actually put on yourself. It was something your opponent put on yourself. So yeah, just over communicate be ready to really walk your opponent do the play-by-play of your turn for them yeah and that's really gonna help as a preventative measure for what could be a disagreement about amber totals or cards in hand or number of chains as long as you're doing that job of communicating it's less likely that those are gonna come up which are sort of surefire times when somebody's (laughs) gonna end up having less fun less fun going on tilt because they felt like maybe you snuck an amber they weren't aware of there's not an agreement on the amber totals and you start getting those rulings that you know it's just going to harm somebody's enjoyment of the game so clear and open over communication is strongly encouraged to be a good opponent Uh, and then just be prepared to answer questions about what you're doing uh if your opponent if you've got a complicated board state and your opponent asks you know how much power does that creature have like make sure you're prepared and, and ready to answer it like don't be afraid in the same vein to ask questions your opponent make sure again this comes back to over communicating just make sure everybody's on the exact same page about how things are working what the board state is so that it's less likely for a disagreement to occur after the fact and with that in mind if there is confusion that would be the time to call a judge right away uh, rather than waiting for some sort of conflict to emerge yep And I mean, don't even be afraid to call a judge on yourself. I did that the other week when I was playing. Um, We got to the next turn. My opponent had captured some of my amber with one of his many abads. And I realized I had posed pixies out. And we hadn't gone too far yet, luckily. But um, I noticed it right away. I called the judge over right away just because I wanted to have that. I wanted, like, that judge is there for those kinds of things. Like, I mean, a lot of times you can just work it out with your opponent. But I almost feel... Like, it's almost better if the judge isn't, like, answering some other judge call. Having them over just as you talk it through with your opponent, that way nobody's... Like, there's just no chance for, like, it to get heated because you kind of have that third party there, that impartial observer to kind of help smooth it over before anything happens. And again, like, my opponent would have probably been fine if I would have just worked it out with him. But just to even just not even give that possibility a chance to, you know, rear its ugly head where we start to get upset about how we think it should work to roll that back and make it right. Yeah, or just something as simple as drawing an extra card. That happens all the time. 
uh, I mean, we'd encourage you to be cautious about it, but if you draw an extra card, don't force your opponent to be the one to make you resolve that issue. I think in that case, it's the right thing to just bring a judge over right away. Hey, I accidentally drew a card. How would you like me to resolve that? And then both players don't have to stress and you just continue on with the game. Yeah, because if you get to the point where you're arguing with your opponent, kind of both of your enjoyment's probably lost on the game. Somebody's going on tilt and it's just going to be a really tense, anxious game for the rest of the round. And, you know, that's not why we're playing Keyforge to have these tense, anxious, like, is my opponent going to try to pull something else over on me? So just, yeah, never be afraid to call a judge. That's what they're there for. Please use them. They're usually good people. That's why they're judging because they're, you know, wanting a fair and good time for all. Okay, great. Mind that Jake uh, put a little note in that he disagrees with. Um, So this is going more towards an experienced player. We'll just put that caveat, that way it covers Jake's disagreement. But if you're going to play an event and it's an Archon event, like kind of know your deck and know kind of some of the trickier rules interactions within it. So that way, if they do come up during a game, you'll know how to resolve them right away and you won't have to sit there and maybe look up erratas or FAQs. So this is like, you know, know the erratas. So know if you play a library access, it is going to purge after the first use. It got completely nuked by the errata. Um, if you have things like Wild Wormhole or Igor that you know, either play the top card or look at the top cards of your deck and your deck is empty. That's just those abilities are going to fizzle. So just know that ahead of time, just kind of certain interactions like that. Just make sure that you know, going into the event, kind of how those work out. But if you are a newer player and you're just, you know, going to your first event, like that's fine to go in blind. But if you're kind of more of an experienced player, just kind of know kind of some of the uh, trickier corner cases that your deck could present during a round. Yep, that definitely handles my minor quibble. (laughs) So moving on to the next one. If you're not using the official tokens, or even if you are, just make sure you're letting your opponent know, okay, this is a stun token. This is a damage token. This is what I'm using for Amber. Don't hesitate to ask if you have any questions. Yeah, because I mean, that is kind of the cool thing about Keyforge right now is it seems like there is no one set of tokens that anybody uses. It's kind of a nice little personal touch on the game that you, that everybody kind of chooses what they want to use as their tokens. It kind of makes for some cool, like, hey man, those are sweet stun tokens, bro, kind of moments. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's like a way you can express yourself, which is great. All right, take backs. The dreaded take backs. Oh boy. Oh, the take backs. All right, so this one's really kind of dependent on the level that you're playing. So if you're at a vault tour, I mean, yeah, no take backs. Like the judge will even announce before the tournament starts that no take backs. Um, Like it's pretty well drilled in that there should be no take backs. Now, as we get back down to like, say, chain bound level events, I'm I'm pretty open. I'd rather beat the player I'm playing because I beat them rather than they just played something out of order and it completely hosed them. Um, especially if they're a newer player, if like you can tell like they don't know the cards very well, they're kind of a newer player, they're new to your shop, I might be a little bit more lenient with them. If you have your friend, if you're playing against your friend and they're an experienced player, like maybe if they ask for a take back, maybe allow for it. But if they're not asking, not, you know, just offering take backs. So I don't know, you kind of have to read who your opponent is. Um, definitely the level of the competition does does affect this a little bit but i'm i'm usually pretty open with take backs like i don't want somebody to just lose the game because they should have played one card before the other and just kind of messed that up my general rule of thumb here um which if everyone adopted we'd just have it all covered would be like never ask for a take out take back but sometimes offer one like you said if you're playing somebody who's brand new and they attack and then didn't realize something had an elusive like i'll almost always say like oh like feel free if you want to take that back do something else at the same time i never ask for one 
I think asking for a take back just is 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 risking you know putting either or both people on tilt like if i'm playing against somebody and it's a really close game and they ask for a take back like now all of a sudden like i have to be sort of the bad guy to (laughs) say no or you know or say yes to a take back in which like i've probably made mistakes throughout the game and didn't ask for one so I, i think that's like putting an undue burden on your opponent if you're listening to this podcast and you're invested in this game like you're probably beyond the point where you should be asking for take back um if you're a new person playing with friends and you get like a rule wrong or don't understand something, sure, that's fine. Yeah, no casual games. Yeah, take backs all day. Like we do that all the yeah. time when we're playing online. Especially tabletop simulator is great for take backs. So let me put that out there. Yeah. <laughs> I've made bad plays, and I'm like, oh, can we just rewind that a turn? You definitely won that game because of that play. But can I actually play this correctly now and see if that actually changes my chances in this game? And that's really nice that you can do that with tabletop simulator. Not so, not quite as possible on TCO, but. And so, yeah, I mean, if you do ask for a take back and the opponent says no, now you're both probably upset about it. If we can avoid that, that's the best case scenario. But that's not to say don't offer take backs to new players. For sure. Or if you could just tell they didn't understand something on your side of the board, how it was working, like say Hadros Wall is out and they didn't realize Hadros Wall was out or something like that. Just, you know, there's times when you you see the information on the card, but the information on the card doesn't actually match what the card actually is at the moment. So, yeah. But of course, at like high levels of play, that's a skill to be able to process all that information and yep, still definitely. make the right choice. So anyway, let's move on. This is an easy one. I'll cover this <laughs> one, then you can have the good one. Personal hygiene. Please shower. Use deodorant before, before going out to an event. It'll make everybody that you come into contact with much happier, much more comfortable, and just it's it's a nice way to be. Like It's such a silly thing to have to announce, but we've all been there. We've all seen that person, and it's just kind of awkward because it's just awkward. So please don't be that person. Um, Shower, deodorant, smell nice, look nice, feel nice, play better that way. Yeah, if you're feeling your best, you're going to play better. You're going to be more confident. Um, But I I will say, credit to the Keyforge community. Honestly, I haven't experienced this issue in the same way I have in other games and other communities. But that's not to say it's not best practice nonetheless. Well, part of being a good opponent. All right, so this is this last one uh, is something there's sort of a lot of different opinions on. So, Dan, I need your help here. You sure. might not always agree with these, but so this is kind of an end of game do's and don'ts, and this can be a big stumbling block for people where everything went well up to this point, and now you're leaving on a bad foot. So, do shake hands with your opponent. Yes. If you win a game and your opponent offers you a handshake in in their concession i always take it like i understand some people don't like that i've seen huge arguments about whether this is okay or not in magic communities uh in magic community posts but like in my opinion that's part of the social contract when you start playing a game or a sport at the end of the game you shake hands and then you're friends afterward no i definitely agree i yeah, I think I th- yeah, and I think you have it right to if you win the game, you accept the handshake like you don't I went like reach across the table after at somebody after I won. I'm pretty sure usually right. usually it is like I didn't really think about it till you put it in words, but yeah, it usually is the loser that, you know, puts the hand over for the uh for the after game handshake. So, they offer it, definitely take it. If you lose, yeah, just say like, "Hey, you got it. Good game. Reach across the table. Pump that hand and thank him for the game." Uh, yeah, so again, I guess the onus is on the person who lost, and we would encourage you always, if you lose, to offer a handshake as yes. good sportsmanship. 
do not reject your opponent's concession. <laughs> I see this all the time. And I, and I think it's like, it's coming out of just sheer excitement. So it's sort of like hard to come down too hard on this people. But the way it happens is your opponent concedes the game and you say, no, 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 let's play it out <laughs> because you've got, you know, you really are excited because you've been setting up for a big combo that you're finally going to pull off in the next turn. Or maybe they concede earlier than you'd like because maybe you only have, two keys forged but they just realize they can't come back to the game in my opinion there's never an okay time to reject the concession of their opponent and force them to stay in a situation that they don't want to be in anymore (laughs) i have to apologize to toss a rock right now (laughs) i'm so guilty of this one we were playing uh in real life and we were playing and i was playing a heart of the forest deck and i dropped it pretty early and he's like i have no way to interact with that i concede and i was like no you gotta play it out because i mean you could still win we could still be at two keys and yeah he didn't win and i think that just further sent him down the road of tilt so sorry toss rock my bad dude i should just let you concede there <laughs> but it was it was totally a casual game though so like it wasn't like I do have the caveat, like maybe it's appropriate in casual play, depending on the level or even in a tournament, depending on like the level of friendship. But like that's on you to sort of really know that relationship, because even if it's a good friend, they might be tilting. They might be upset. They don't want to do with it and they might humor you, but that's not necessarily mean they're OK with it. Yep. No agreed. All right. So do chat with your opponent after the game. Uh, I think that's really important to thank them for the match, wish them good luck in their future game. I would encourage, especially new players, uh, to ask your opponent if there's uh, like a play that stands out in your mind, like, hey, maybe should I have done this other thing? Like, how would you have reacted to that? To use it as a learning opportunity and, and even to offer advice to your opponent. However, with the important caveat that don't offer unsolicited advice, like you could ask, hey, do you, would you like a little bit of advice? And that'd be a good opportunity for conversation. If I lose a game, I'll be like, hey, I really think this play you made here was really the turning point in the game for you. Like you point out their good play and that can just kind of open up that dialogue and see if they want to have it. If they're like, yeah, thanks. And that's it. And like, yeah, you're probably done talking about the game and that's fine. But like, if you're like, hey, yeah, like this, this play was and they're like, yeah, I really thought about it because of what you did here. Then, you know, you can have like an open dialogue kind of about the game. And that's kind of the best, too, because we're all trying to get better at the game. We're all trying to learn. So and like the way we learn is playing the game and we learn even more when we're able to kind of like analyze it post game, especially with the person we played against. So we can kind of gain some insights from what they were thinking as the game progressed. But don't, yeah, definitely don't, don't force it on anybody. Like you can throw out that nugget and see if they bite, but otherwise, yeah, yeah, just, you know, thank them, always, always thank them for the game and wish them luck. So don't do anything to diminish your opponent's victory in any way. Don't point out how lucky your opponent got or how unlucky you got. Uh, Try your best not to come across as visibly upset, which can imply like, how could I lose to you (laughs) if you're so upset with the loss? Yeah. and, And don't apply that the game was in any way illegitimate. I think that comes up a lot like, oh, well, you know, I made this mistake and turn two and now, you know what I mean? It's like hardly counts. Yeah, definitely. And like, even like on the other side of the coin too, if you win, win gracefully, like, I mean, don't just go, oh man, good game. I crushed you, bro. Like, unless you know him and like, that's, that's your buddy. But I kind of win, win, you know, humbly at the end of a game if if you had a big win too so they don't right. like they already probably feel kind of bad about losing anyways but if you're like you know kind of coming off a little braggadocious after the game that won't help their mood any 
Yeah, don't do the whole like just throwing this in there where you're like reveal your hand and you're like, I still had all of these. <laughs> <I still laughs> <had> these. <laughs> it's really fun with your buddies to do that, but yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> Not against that random person at the chain bound or the vault tour. Yeah. Very last one is is do apologize. If you notice that you went on tilt, which as we've reiterated time and again, happens to everyone, there's a good chance that your opponent noticed that and it may have impacted their enjoyment of the game in some some way, even if totally unintentionally by you. So if that happens to me, like make sure, you know, now the game's over. If if you can bring yourself to do it, say, Hey, so sorry, like I just got a little frustrated there. I really hope it didn't, you know, harm your experience and then, you know, go on to wishing them the yeah. best luck. The last thought is sometimes you can just see your opponents on tilt and it's a little tougher to navigate that. I mean, if your opponent gets locked out of the game early on because of, you know, a restringentus or whatever, a pit lord or <laughs> turn, turn something. One, turn one ganger drummer combo. Yeah. So usually if I win a game that's very lopsided for whatever reason, I might hazard a Sorry, I could tell you really got unlucky and didn't draw, or, you know, I could tell you didn't draw what you needed. Hopefully we'll play again sometime, you know, something like that. Yeah, and no, like, I mean, that happened in an Archon event where my opponent mulliganed, could only play an artifact on his turn one, and I dropped ganger-drummer combo very first turn. And I mean, it was kind of like, you could just tell it in his face, and I kind of knew it too, like, like the game was over at that point, unfortunately, because, I mean, that's just such a strong early gameplay with... I also had a Bramo out as well that I could bounce and get rid of any elusive dudes. And it just, yeah, it was unfortunate. And I just, you know, after the game, it's like, well, man, that was a rough mulligan that you had there. He's like, we just had a nice chat about it. And yeah, like he had a couple cards that could have taken care of it, but they were just kind of down there a little ways and the mulligan kind of hurt him. So yeah, always good to kind of have that, have that uh, chat after the game if possible. And yeah, the apologize if you do catch yourself kind of being a little curt, like apologizing after the game and most more more likely than not they would not have noticed it at all it'll probably seem bigger in your mind but better to be safe than sorry safe and sorry safe and sorry <laughs> so so that's our do's and don'ts for navigating that tricky end of game situation but i think it's really important because even if the game you know maybe you were on tilt or they were on tilt it wasn't the best game for whatever reason that's really an opportunity to salvage that experience for everyone and just make sure uh, that you are ending on a good footing. And on the other hand, if it's a great game <laughs> too many times, it can just all of a sudden go the other way. And, you know, talking to your buddies afterwards, like, I can't believe they did this or that afterwards, like, blah, blah, blah. Like, let's just, I think we can all really do better to manage that situation in a way that's positive for everyone. All right. Our last section here, we'll probably try to speed through this a little bit because we're pushing time. All right. So preventing tilt. Tilt happens to everyone just part of the experience of being human. Um, this isn't to say you should never go on tilt, but there are ways to reduce, reduce the severity and frequency of tilting. Um, I'm tilting right now with the way I'm speaking, but I'm going to take a deep breath. And I'm not going to point out that Dan probably can't read because that might put him on tilt. <laughs> and another deep breath to get over Jake's <laughs> Set appropriate expectations, i.e. this is a card game. We're here to have fun. We don't have to come in first place every week. It's probably not going to happen every week for us. And for some of us dad lifers, just the fact that we got permission to get outside the house and take in an event should just be reward in itself. And any results are just gravy at that point. If you're going in to have fun versus going to win, that just changes the tenor of so many interactions that might otherwise tilt you. Like, because your opponent got lucky, it turns from, I can't believe they got lucky and beat me, to like, wow, that was a crazy, awesome game. 
Yeah. No, definitely. Um, then you have another discussion question. What do you set as your expectations going into a tournament, Jake? For me, I go in, I really try and have that, like, you don't have fun because you win. You win because you have fun. That's sort of been my mantra throughout playing competitive sports and games alike. I find that if I'm going to have fun, if I'm having fun, then I play better as well. That's what works for me. I set my expectation as wanting to put chains on my decks, but it's probably not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> Dan's dilemma. No, I mean, I, I, like I said, I, I really want to hang some chains on my own decks. Like that's, that's my goal. It's like, I know I just need to have a winning record and then yeah, for whatever reason. So maybe, maybe I need to focus more on fun um, just to kind of get over the nerves and jitters that I apparently am having in real life play. Yeah. And there are so many, so many expectations that you could put on yourself. Like if you're somebody who's more introverted, maybe it's just, I want to talk to two new people. And then, you know, the that is sort of your what you're hoping to achieve out of it. Or I want to see a friend I haven't seen in a while and chat with them. Like all these things are totally appropriate. It doesn't have to be about the game even in and of itself at all. So just know what's best for you and maybe work on trying to sort of go in with a different intention and see if that does end up giving you a better experience. All right. Let's also acknowledge that we have other parts of our life that may contribute to the tilt, such as a bad day at work or just a strange day with your family or just anything that could just contribute to you kind of coming in a little bit of a cloudy mind right away into the tournament. So just recognize that ahead of time and fit all possible on the way over, you know, take care of yourself, do something that kind of relaxes you just to get you kind of in a better frame of mind. Or I mean, if it's such a bad day, maybe, you know, skip that event that night and just kind of have a relaxing night. But maybe Keyforge is your way to relax. So in that case, go play Keyforge. Yeah, humans suck at compartmentalizing. We know this. And just, you know, you don't come walk into a tournament a blank slate. So uh, I think that's helpful in sort of just preparing yourself for what kind of night it might be. Beyond that, just general health and well-being tips really go a long way uh, to giving giving yourself the best sort of positive mind, mind space going into a tournament. And I mean, just eat healthy, drink water, exercise, get enough sleep, all of those things, you know, while making you a more uh, healthy person uh, generally are going to contribute to your mental health and mental well-being uh, that may prevent tilt from sort of coming up at all or coming up in such a severe way. So whatever you got to do for self-care, do it. And in the most extreme of cases, if you find yourself every time you're playing Keyforge, you're getting on tilt, just getting angry, you're getting upset, maybe it's just time to take a break. Like, take a break, step away from the game maybe for a week or so, just however many, maybe just a couple days. Maybe you just need to get away from it for a couple days, clear your head, and just really kind of get back into that. I'm having fun playing this game again, and I'm not playing so hard that it's making me angry and just not, it's like ruining my enjoyment of the game, so... That's for the extreme, extreme cases. But if you find yourself in those cases, yeah, it's it's fine to go just take a Keyforge and come back when you're kind of refreshed and ready to have at it again. Awesome. So that is our topic on tilt, tilting, and preventing tilt. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, and hopefully you found those tips useful to bring into your next event. Yep. Let's do our contact stuff and then we'll go into the league update. That way people can just shut it off at the league update if they want. Sounds great. My name is Jake Friedman. You can find me on Twitter at Jake Fried. Uh, we'll still plug the Twitch, even though it's been dormant. That's <laughs> at Jake Fried as well. Over to you, Dan. 
Hey, it's Dan is someone, D-A-N-I-S-S-O-M-E, and the number one, that is Twitch and Twitter. And I just want to give a big shout out to everybody that's been helping me on Twitch. I've actually been streaming a couple days a week, usually over the lunch hour on my lunch break, and enough people have helped out that I'm so close to Twitch affiliate. So thank you all for showing up for those lunchtime streams and checking in and chatting as I play a quick game over my lunch break. Um, also, the YouTube is getting really close to 100 subscribers. So if you find me on YouTube and you watch any of those Twitch streamed lunch videos and are on my YouTube page, go ahead and subscribe there as well and get me to that 100 so I can have my name in the link. Uh, the show show Twitter is at Sanctimonious, just the name of the show. Check us out on there as well. You can see the picture of Jake and his buddies, his bros, in their Sanctimonious shirts taking down the reversal tournament, proving that they do have the worst decks in St. Louis. <laughs> and I guess we're on Patreon too, at Sanctimonious. Yeah, definitely. If you feel so inclined, $1 a month is great. Just any any little amount really helps us with uh, recouping some of our early costs of getting this set up and then just uh, planning for additional stuff in the future to make this better and greater for you all. But yeah, with that... Anybody that wants to sign off now, sign off. Thank you. We'll see you next week. Otherwise, get out of here. We're going to do a quick league update and just kind of go through the brackets again a little bit quicker this time. So Group A, big congrats. Ugluck4242 has completed all five league games in less than a week and a half. Finished with a 4-1 and one record, I think. I'm pretty sure that should guarantee him um, yeah. oh, going yeah. on through to the uh, single elimination. So congrats, Ugluck4242. This guy is constantly in our uh, Crucible Rumble coordinator saying, adaptive match on TCO, anybody? <laughs> adaptive match on TCO, anybody? And that was before the league even started. So apparently all his practice has paid off. Um, we've got Chris the Fred at two and two, Keyforge Jupiter of Fifth Planet Keyforge Podcast at one and one, Shabazz Jenkins at one and two, uh, Inferno at one and two, and Dapper at zero and one right now. So it looks like Keyforge Jupiter and Dapper technically still have an outside shot at that four and one. And then Chris the Fred, let's see here, four games. So three and two might get through. It just depends on how that shakes out. So good job, Group A. You guys have, uh, kind of killed it yeah i think a three and two is definitely possible yeah based on what i know about swiss right and then it would just yeah kind of depend on face-to-face matchups and all the other tiebreakers uh group b we have zotted at four and one so yet another person that completed all their matches at a four and one clip so congratulations zotted um weather 3003 is the one man that actually beat zotted and he's currently three and oh right now uh torontos is two and two one Star Squire is one and one. Burnside is one and three. Mr. Pokin himself. Mr. Worldwide. <laughs> and Verbally Insane bringing us in at 0 and 4. Uh, so, Group C, Group C, we've got Dr. Sheep starting out strong at 2 and 1. Alucard at 1 and 0. Shoot, I forget who Alucard is in our Discord. There's somebody else, and I can't remember now. There's somebody. Good job, Alucard. Gear Sighted taking my. Uh, Taking my deck to new heights at one and zero. Aileen at zero and zero. Oceanside Archon at zero and one, and Row Two at zero and two. 
the group of death group d another congrats to nick slots for completing all his games unfortunately he was not able to four and one like all the other people that have finished all their games but he did come in at three and two so still kind of got that outside shot of maybe going through uh we've got strong link creator of crucible tracker and coder of archon's arena in at two and oh right now b hawk at two and oh roadrunner at oh and one jake freed oh and one and Stephen WH at 0 and 3. But yeah, another group that's getting those games in. So good job, guys. Yeah. And I did get tilted playing Nick of Slot. So uh, <laughs> I really uh, thanks thanks again for the game. So I use that very much as inspiration and in thinking yeah. about this episode. <laughs> Jake needs a bigger monitor, so we need to get that Patreon up so he can see those upgrades on on people when he's playing on TCO. Um, <laughs> all right, Group E, we have Honorable Villain. At 2 and 0, we've got Freddy D339 at 1 and 0. We have Blake from Help from Future Self at 1 and 1. And then we've got two JK Hops 21. I've seen you posting looking for games, so hopefully you get a game in soon. And then Jacket Attack. If you are Jacket Attack, reach out to us. Let, let us know you exist. I don't know who you are on the Discord. And I have PM'd you, so if we don't hear from you soon, uh, you might be subbed out. Uh, Vaslo is 0 and 3. Stick with it, kid. You got it. Basil's talking a lot. Yeah, he's been super, super active recently. And I think he's, like I said, I think he's a bit of a newer player, but he's going to pick up things quick here. So lucky, lucky guys in Group E getting him early because I think he's going to be a force to be reckoned with as much as he's interacting. All right, so Group F, the Group F. So we've got Gaming Vice at 3-0, and zero, which very good player. I've attributed one of his wins to him. Uh, Noam987 at 1-0. Dan is someone at one and one. Hey, got a win um, though. Yeah, I, I got one. I done got one. It was online. So, I mean, I, I like online. Yankle Burples is at <laughs> one and two. Uh, Scrowner at 0 and one. And Southerly Elf at 0 and two. So, we are slacking a little bit in our group. We'll get up, we'll get on that. Uh, group G, just a guy playing right now at one and oh. Chironic at one and oh. Mediator J at one and two. LSYO3 at zero games played and a newly added because somebody else hadn't uh, communicated or got back to any PMs is Rob dies at the end. So welcome Rob to the league. Yeah. Welcome Rob. Good luck. Yep. So we we subbed him in and I do have a sub ready for jacket attack. If he does not, he or she does not respond to any of the messages we have sent. And then Jacob Chapman at 0 and 1. Cool. So that is our US bracket. Um, I am gobsmacked that some people have finished already. Like, that's incredible. <laughs> um, but for everybody else, good pace. It seems like we are going to get through it pretty quick. And then switching over to our EU bracket, um, Group A, we've got Fliberty Jib. That's my pick. Let's go. No. <laughs> we have Mr. Vault Tour runner up himself, Killed Yua, at 2 0. That probably would have been a good pick. <laughs> if only we'd known he was just going to, you know, finish a vault tour in second place. Only we'd known. Uh, we've got Lady Aurora at 2 and 2. We've got Feya at 1 and 2. We have Viljums at 1 and 3. And El Senor Maracas at 0 and 1. And let me take this last group. You sure. rest your vocal cords. So we got Group B, and we have a whopping one game played. And that game <laughs> yes. is between Random and Russell Ruffino. So 
uh, Russell Rufino at 0-1, Random at 1-0, and and then we have Barotoro, Firisa, Jillipeg, and Shap Station all at 0-0-0. So hopefully they'll get some games soon because that does not inspire confidence for finishing <laughs> the bracket in the time limit. Yeah, so we've got until August 19th, so there's still plenty of time. So, yep, but it's been really good. It's been really fun watching all the games getting set up. I've heard a lot of positive feedback from everybody playing in it. They're having a great time with it. And everybody that hadn't played Adaptive yet is absolutely loving Adaptive. So, yeah, it's been really fun. So good job, everybody. Thank you all for listening. Patreon, if you feel that we're worth a dollar a month. All right, we got to get out of here, Dan. You got disc golf to play. I got disc golf. I got to go fling some plastic. Keyfort, where'd you go? Come back, keyboard. We missed it. Did you. I burn it down? <laughs> they couldn't take the. We, they tilted so hard off the shed comment. So. Archons of the Crucible. The league is in full swing. Matches are being played. Players are finishing. Other players aren't playing. Get out there. Forge those keys. I'm so angry.